you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you, folks. We certainly hope that this finds you well and in the arms of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're moving along on the life of Christ. We've been challenging Kevin in a in a meaningful way with these fourth grade riddles, man. <laughs> and uh, I hope you're doing well with them out there. And they're kind of hard. This is one that I think is going to help Kevin's percentage a little bit. So the fourth grade riddle says, what did Adam say to Eve when handing her something to wear? Um... Okay, so he handed, he handed her something to wear. Fig leaves. So they, um, well, you got part of it. So leave, um, leave, leave this on. Leave um, close, folks. You say we give it to him. I think so. All right. So this is what he said. He said, "Take it or leave it." <laughs> leave <laughs> and, uh, okay. So, folks, I, That's I didn't. I, good. I, yeah, I thought that one was okay. Yeah. And you know, compared to the one yesterday. Oh, I mean, so bake cook. We, yeah, yeah, bake no. cook. No. Whatever that is. <laughs> That's pretty wild stuff right there, folks. And anyway, we wanted to, we've been talking about, I hope you guys like this. We've been talking about a a PTSD characteristic of the day. So every day we're looking at a characteristic of PTSD and talking about it a little bit. And you can say, man, you hit me or, or you can just use it to help someone else with or whatever the case may be. Before we get going, I want to remind you of a couple things. Number one, Camp Joy, Wisconsin, September 11th through September 15th, Whitewater, Wisconsin, Wounded Spirits Retreat, 5 o'clock on Monday night, wrapping up uh, after breakfast on Friday morning. You can actually bail after graduation on Thursday night. We'd love to have you. Camp Joy, Whitewater, Wisconsin. Call Mr. Moore and make a reservation today. We want you guys to come with us. We uh, we want to be learning together on how God's Word can penetrate the hearts of those of us with PTSD or those we choose to help PTSD. Second thing we want you to know is we've been moving forward on the life of Christ, and that's some pretty exciting stuff right there. We find ourselves in chapter 7, uh, in the book of Mark. We've been going, I'm sorry, the book of John. You, you can see where my head's at. Again, we've been talking about burnout a little bit. <laughs> Maybe we'll make that a word of the day coming up here soon. But uh, we're in John chapter 7. We are going to go to the synoptics. We are going to go to the sign miracles. We're going to go a lot of different places. So hang in there. This is going to be a great, great lesson, I believe, on the life of Christ and what God can do through us and to us through the life of Christ. But here we are with fear. So the characteristic of the day is fear. I always go back to 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power mm. and of love and a sound mind. So I'm always reminded that this continual up all night, scared to death, afraid to drive, afraid to go out in the car, afraid you're going to see somebody, that doesn't come from God. That doesn't come from God. So if it doesn't come from God, we know it comes from the devil. So we need to remember that we serve this great God and uh, uh, and, and that he doesn't give us. I sought the Lord over there in 34.4. My favorite Psalm is 34.6, but Psalm 34 is my favorite Psalm. 34.6 is this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. My life verse but over in 34, 4, it says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Friends, listen, there's a God in heaven that can deliver you from your fears. And uh, sometimes, you know, we get tired, we get upside down, Kevin. I mean, the world seems weird, mm-hmm. but we got a God that can take fears away. 
Yes, and what we're talking about is so important with PTSD because PTSD, the last word is disorder. And, you know, there's a lot of use and misuse of the word disorder, everything. Everyone was, you know, a man said, my wife has a cooking disorder. Well, that's, that's just not the stuff we're talking about. No. But disorders, what, what we're talking about is things are out of order. You know, I went to a vending machine one time to get a cup of uh, coffee or whatever, and it said out of order. Well, that wasn't normal. It was it was dysfunctional, it was malfunctioning. And we get that way. You mentioned upside down. So, we are if some if we've been through something and we cannot return from that trauma traumatic event back to a fearless life of confidence in Christ and confidence that in our own skin in Christ that means we are out of order we are not if we're if we're not able for instance if we've been through something that um I'll, I'll never drive a car again well that's that means that we are being stymied by a uh uh, an event we're being defined by an event if i can't witness to someone about christ because of some ex- experience that happened to be uh, happened to me witnessing or something then I, I i'm dealing honestly i'm dealing with ptsd it's a post-traumatic stress disorder i've been disordered and i need a biblical approach i need to and if you're going to a doctor by all means do that if you're if you've been diagnosed follow through on all that but a biblical approach is is honestly the best way to get to the foundations of this fear thing. No, I think that's great. I'm excited about uh, the opportunity to know that God is in charge of my fear. God is in charge of my attitude. God is in charge of whether I'm joyful or, or whether I'm depressed. God is in charge of whether I'm fearful or uh, I'm just wide open, ready to have some fun and uh, all dressed up and ready to go. We find ourselves in the book of John chapter seven. We're moving through verses six through 13 today. Then Jesus said unto them, and this is where he says, my time has not yet come. So I'm not beginning the process of my ministry here to be crucified. I'm not, you know, uh, but it says, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth because I testify of it, that the works thereof are evil. Go ye up unto this feast. I go not up yet uh, unto this feast, for the time is not yet full come. So it's changed a little bit. It's not fully here. Mm. When he had said these words unto him, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up to the feast, not openly, but as if it were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, he is a good man. Others say, nay, but he deceiveth the people. Howbeit no man spake openly of him for the fear of the Jews. And let me tell you, when you bring religion into something, you're messing it up. And uh, folks, you know, we have the social gospel from the turn of the century. Uh, when it turned around 1900, these preachers got together and said, you know, if we tell people they have to work hard to be saved too, we'll get more, uh, we'll get more productivity out of them as street sweepers and mill workers and all these things in New York City is where it started. So we're just going to say, well, God wants you to work hard too to get saved. It ruined everything. They wanted to add religion to it. They wanted to make it look like, hey, these Christians are just automatic bond servants. They're going to do what you tell them to do when you tell them to do that uh but but jesus is is, he's he's not magic he's not a bond servant there's not steps you have to take there's not works you have to do jesus say listen your time's come already your time's come brethren who are listening on this uh radio station today your time's come 
Your time to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is here. Your time to trust Christ is here. And, uh, and so, so God goes along and he also points out that the world hates him because he testifies to their works that are evil. So can you imagine this? Here's God telling his disciples, and by the way, where you're going to that big Jewish holiday, to that huge Jewish holiday where they got nothing but the best of lambs, where, where they got sacrifices and all that, that's a bunch of evil uh, people right there. Those folks are more messed up than a soup sandwich. Mm-hmm. They're the people you find at Walmart after 10 o'clock at night. Be careful. And uh, so Jesus is saying, I point out their evilness. And uh, I got to tell you, Kevin, when you point out folks, when you say, man, this person is messed up, you know what they usually do? They turn around and say, no, you're the one all messed up. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to talk to a narcissist and make sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to project whatever's wrong with them on you. Um, yeah. That, you know, that scripture you just read, the world, uh, the, in verse seven, maybe it's the one following which you just read, the world cannot hate you. So the people that didn't get it, the law, it says his brethren did not believe on him. So these are unbelievers. They cannot hate you. Uh, excuse me. The world cannot hate unbelievers, but me it hateth because I testify of it that the works thereof are evil. So yesterday I was talking a little bit about kind of being cooperative and getting along. There comes a point where you, you will not be known as cooperative because you have a different you know, a uh, set of, of laws. I mean, you're, you're more, your moral compass, which is the most important thing to you, unlike the world, you know, you're not going to give on morality. You shouldn't. It's, it's uh, always pointing into true north. It's pointing to God on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. The world cannot hate um, the people who are, are that cooperative that they're just going to give on that on the things that they should not give on, you know, I mean, everyone's got their price, but wait a minute. Christians don't seem to have a price. Christians are willing. It says in the book of revelation chapter 12, that, um, they love not their lives unto the death. So that means, you know, if you're just, if you believe in Christ so strongly that, you know, it takes grace in that hour. I get that. But, that you're that you're going to say, you know what? I'd have to die rather than renounce and say I'm going to live my life from now on as if there is no Jesus Christ or as if He did not save me. You'd say that's not a life worth living, and that's called honor. And when you have that kind of Christian honor, um, the world will hate you, and that is in itself a testimony that the works thereof are evil. Though you know the word, um, I, we're up against time, brother. Thanks, brother. We'll be right back with you. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements.
Well, and here we are coming right back, and uh, thanks for hanging with us. As we move forward, uh, we're certainly, as we look at chapter 7 and everything going on with Christ and, and, and everything that he's done, what comes to my mind is some of the lessons here. And immediately, the first thing always is trusting in God's timing. Friends, can I tell you, we pray for things. We beg for things. We, we go upside down for things. We, we fast for things. We go to church extra long for things. We stay up all night for things. We call everybody we know for things. But you know where we mess up? We mess up because we don't trust in God's timing. Mm. You know, prayer works. God's hearing your prayer, folks. God's seeing you uh, digest his word as you're reading it. God sees everything you do. He knows you're listening to him speak through the Bible. He knows you're praying to him, but we need to trust in God's timing. Don't try to run things through your way. And I'll tell you, it always goes bad. I learned that in the army, man. People would try to do things unilaterally without permission. One of the first things you learn in the army is there's a right way, there's a wrong way, and there's an army way, <laughs> and you never question the army way. Well, folks, I'm telling you, if we could nail that with God, if we could nail that there's a right way, a wrong way, and there's God's way. Now, I'm talking right or wrong to ourselves. God way, God's way is always right. I don't want you calling me a heretic. Type in a message out there on Facebook that I messed you all up or something like that. But I want you to know this. God's way is always right, but we have to trust in it. We have to trust in what he tells us to do, whether it's a march around the, the, the city, you know, a bunch of times, whether it's whatever he's calling us to do, just do it. As Mary said in chapter two of the book of John, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And uh, life will be so much easier. And then, and then I love this idea. Same thing as yesterday. Here's Jesus again testifying against evil. Folks, do not let your good be spoken evil of. Mm. When God says something's evil and he doesn't want to go hang out, don't go. When God says something's evil, it's evil. That verse that says, uh, do not let your good be spoken evil of. Can I tell you what that's all about, folks? That's going out there saying, well, if I steal this, it'll be good for the brethren because uh, they'll have what I stole to be able to use. Stop that kind of logic. Mm -hmm. That's the stupid kind of logic that comes right from the devil, and we don't want to deal with that. That's why it's so important that we have discernment. That's why it's so important that we have God given on our knees, prayerful, reading the Bible, trusting in the Holy Spirit, all in discernment. And folks, discernment will change everything. And uh, But it needs to be from God. Our discernment, it just doesn't work sometimes. And uh, you just don't know what's going to happen with that, Kevin. And, and so often, I mean, I know as we consult people, as we run into people, we say, that's the stupidest. Th At least that's what I say. <laughs> Kevin may be a little... Uh, you know, a little nicer about it, but I'll say, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Why did you do that? So uh, Kevin, I mean, how many times have we said to people, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Oftentimes, like you said, it's a matter of timing. You know, how many times do we notice Doug? And yes, I, th I think it louder than I say it probably, you know, that's the most knuckleheaded thing I've ever heard in my life. But uh, yeah. when, when I'm talking to someone, a lot of times the stupid, the stupidity of the decision is that they are rushing God's timing. They're finagling, they're uh, manipulating, they're trying to engineer the circumstances to cause something to happen or make someone think something it will be good for them. And it's actually not. So, you know, it might be a little honesty issue there. But Jesus said, my time is not yet come. That's like an epic statement. Your time is always ready. So he's saying, I'm not ready for that yet. 
your you go ahead though this is in keeping with kind of your your uh modus operandi you're 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 gonna manipulate you're gonna make it happen just go for it but um but that's not me i'm not gonna go there and sometimes we do need to wait on the lord be patient and let the lord do his work and you mentioned it earlier sometimes things take time we're we're needing to hold on to something that that we don't want to hold on to. And God's like, you know, hold your horses. I'm not ready to do that yet. For instance, um, healing. We say, man, I just, uh, let me make it lighter than healing. Weight loss or fitness or something like that. So these things take time. Well, I tell you what, man, I looked in the mirror today. I feel really traumatized by by what I saw. You know, I just uh, kind of got a few pounds uh, that I need to, to shed here or a bunch of them that I want to shed. And it's just, it's a wonderful thing to have the wake up call to do that. Well, that's going to take time and be careful about manipulating either by running to some fad thing or getting some kind of a surgery and get, you know, just have sleeves and stuff. Be Just be careful. And, and we mentioned in the last hour, be, be in prayer about it because, his my my time has not yet come. God may be God may say, I'm not ready yet to sh- to sh- just make you look like you want to. But if you begin to focus on this area of your life, one of the greatest things I ever heard, Doug, was um, by a guy named Michael Hyatt at a podcast years ago. I heard he said, "What you focus on improves." So if you focus on weight, if you focus on health, if you focus on spiritual things, just that focus in time will cause it to improve because you're thinking about it. I had a conversation with someone earlier today who's very burdened about their child. In fact, they're terrified that their child needs to be saved. I said, just the fact that you are terrified is a good thing because when we're terrified, we begin to focus on that child. And in focusing, we're no longer careless and saying stupid stuff. We're being very measured in what we say and caring and praying and pouring into them. And in time then... Uh, I think we'll see what God's got going. And that's so important. And, and, you know, let me give you an example. As a Christian counselor, I counsel an awful lot of married couples. And this is what I can tell you. And write this down and trust me on this. So out of 25 or 30 couples I counseled last year at different varying levels, wonderful couples, by the way. Everyone stayed married, good people, just looking for God's word. And I'm thrilled to be able to help them do that. But out of all these couples, only two of them were together longer than four months when they got married. And when you talk about, uh, you know, discernment, when you talk about taking your time, when you talk about, you can't really get to know somebody in four months. I don't care if you spend 24 hours a day together. I don't care how you do it. Uh, you know, three or four months going out with somebody and getting married is just one of those knuckleheaded moves. Now, I get it if the world's come to the end and Jesus has notified you to go ahead and get married. You know, hey, I'll do it. You know, I'll marry you, man. I, uh, I jokingly say things. I remember when my uh, son had met a girl at college, I told him, I'll marry you guys this afternoon if you want. Now, that was just a joke. But the truth of the matter is, if we show that discernment, if we if we have patience, boy, what God can do with a servant that has patience, mm-hmm. what God can do with people who trust him, what God, and, and folks, our marriage isn't over if we got married too quick, or our lives aren't coming to an end, we just need to regroup and get to know each other mm-hmm. like we should have in the first place. We shouldn't go back and have to correct things 
things, we should, and it's different. I mean, if, if you're getting married for the second time and you've been married for decades and she's been married and there's dead people involved in things, I get it. All right. Maybe that's a little bit quicker uh, than, you know, folks, it's just hard. It's just hard to do the right thing, but it always makes a difference. Don't worry about public opinion. Here's Christ. They're going out there. People are bad-mouthed Christ, and his disciples want to go down. They want to eat the good food. There's lamb leg cooking over there on the fire. <laughs> They're not worried about what people are saying about mm. Jesus' character. Folks, we're worried about what people are saying about Jesus' character. We're worried about groups of people that are saying, well, maybe he's a man. Maybe he's a good. No, he's our Lord and Savior, and that's where we live. So today, as you go out and about, with a smile that only God can give you and let the whole world know that you're worried about Christ, that you're serving Christ, that it's all about him and don't get caught up in the knuckleheads because they'll just make you a knucklehead too. Birds of the feather flock together. We love you guys. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.